With Domino's week-long carry-out deal, you can carry out large three-topping pizzas and now medium three-topping handmade pan pizzas for $7.99 each. It's pantastic news. Cut, cut. Puns? You mean pans? Calling all pan addicts for two layers of cheese on crispy golden crust. So grab your panty packs, because Domino's large three-topping pizzas and medium three-topping handmade pan pizzas are $7.99 each. It's pandemonium. Pandastico. Carry out only. You must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, and charges may vary. Okay, welcome in to another duly noted sports cast. A little bit under the weather with a sinus problem, so if my voice is a little hoarse, I apologize, but uh, I'm sure you guys will be able to live with it, right? Um, it was great. It's so funny. We were walking uh, up in Atlanta to lunch at a place called Stats, and I was with Robbie and Steve Hummer, who was a great columnist for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And there must have been five people stopped me and recognized me and, and want to talk to me. And every one of them said something like, Man, I love your podcast. And I'm like, you know, I write a column too. You <laughs> and Hummer started laughing about it. He goes, You know, that's the thing, that's the world we live in now, is people know you more for your podcasts and uh blogs and videos that Robbie and I do obviously the swamp casts uh then actually for the columns but you know this is where we live in it's okay I can live with it but it was really nice I met a lot of really nice people up there and I'll tell you one thing that was overwhelming to me is I thought and look I'm I'm going back to that sugar bowl game in 2000 was it 12 um that it might well it's 2013 season 2012 season 2013 game where nobody showed up i mean it was it was pathetic i mean there couldn't have been more than 5,000 florida fans there and louisville probably had 20,000 so that meant there were 30,000 people probably total in the stadium at least that's what it seemed like and i wondered how gator fans would travel to this game just because you know it um you never know you never know oh atlanta you know the ticket prices were real high uh, my wife and daughter went, and it was a real tough decision whether to spend that much on tickets. And, and you know, my thing with them was, is always, you know, if you spend that much money, and you're going to spend other money, obviously, and then you, your team lays an egg like it has against Michigan the last four times it's played them, um, God, it just seems like a waste of money. Well, obviously for them, for all the Gator fans who went, nobody's saying I spent too much money up there because it was certainly worthwhile. But great crowd. I we I talked to some people and they who you know just kind of curious what they thought in terms of the numbers. Um, and we went like it was about fifty five forty five Florida fans. Uh, I did not expect that. I, I felt like Michigan. So I saw so more way more Michigan fans during the couple of days leading up to it. But again, a lot of Florida fans came up the night before. It's an easier drive. Heck, some of them may have driven the morning of the game, but a uh, tremendous crowd of Gator fans, and they enjoyed themselves. And um, we'll talk a little bit about what it means going forward, but certainly uh, in this game itself, um, it was just another overwhelming performance by Florida, the kind of thing we haven't seen around here in a long time. I point this out in my back nine for Tuesday's paper. Since... Florida was had just fallen behind 31-14 to South Carolina. Remember back then? From that point on, the Gators have averaged 7.1 yards a play 
on offense. And their defense has been pretty darn stingy as well. I mean, that's that's what the kind of thing we haven't been seeing around here. And it goes back to the same old thing of, of Dan Mullen telling us before the season – Going into the season, we're going. To, our goal is to keep getting better. It never was be great on day one. Don't it was you know you want to be have attention to details on day one. You want to do things the right way on day one. You want to be good on day one. You want to try to win every game. But you should be your best at the end of the season. Now, a lot of what goes into that are injuries, and I, I, I don't have any physiological explanation for it but Florida was pretty darn healthy and I look at Nick Savage and I go maybe that was part of the reason you didn't see a lot of guys leaving games with torn hamstrings or or muscle injuries you know what I mean I mean certainly Marco Wilson injury was devastating it was a fluky injury torn ACL um Brett Heggie sprained ankle a couple times um they they stayed pretty darn healthy all year and I think their ability to bounce back from little Nick's. In fact, the amazing thing is in the middle, in between his two picks, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was on the training table. And I saw that and I went, man, that's, I hate to see him get hurt in his last game. And I thought it was serious. Now, maybe it was just a cramp. But no, I never got a chance to ask him because there was you're trying to get so much in there at the, uh, at the end, whether it was a cramp or he just tweaked something or whatever. But then he ends up going back in and getting a pick six and looked fine. Um, so we all, I think we all acknowledge that Nick Savage has done a wonderful job with this team. Their ability, if look at these last um, two games especially and the South Carolina game. I mean, Idaho, you throw it in there because it, was, it happened during this run, but Idaho was, was Idaho. But um, their fourth quarters were pretty darn good. Their third quarters were pretty darn good. This team – had great stamina, and you got to give him an awful lot of credit for that. So that he was a big part of why these guys got better. And the players always, whenever you talk about how they much improved, they always bring his name up. Um, there's no question about it. So we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the game on Saturday. And where do I rank the Gators when the, when we do the final poll? Does it really matter? But no. But you know, where am I going to put them? We'll talk a little bit about that also. A lot of news out there already uh, around college football. All that and more when we return on the Gate. Uh, I started to say the Gator Noted. It's not the Gator Noted podcast. It's the Duty Noted podcast here at Gatorsports.com. The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. <laughs> Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rates and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No! No! Have you ever thought about owning your own place in Gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends? Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted Podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. 
All right, back to the duly noted podcast. And um, uh, first, before I say anything else about this game, I got to tell you, it was unbelievable experience for the media. They treated us big time, like almost like a championship game kind of feeling. And um, I, I, my hats off to my man Mel in the uh, in the hospitality room to all the women and volunteers that they had there. They were unbelievable. The way they treated us. I mean, look, I go to a lot of bowl games, obviously. There's some of them that you get treated pretty good. And there's some of them where they're over the top great. And there's some of them, like the Inconvenience Bowl, where there's just not that great of an experience. This was right up there with the championship game experiences. And and made our jobs... Look, all all we ask for, really, are are access. Access to players. What they did with the... um, I guess that was Thursday when they brought and, – and Florida did a great job on Wednesday as well. But on Thursday, you got six players from each team and and four coaches, two coaches from each team. I mean, like I said in my tweet, I ran out of room on my on my digital tape recorder, which I don't know how I did because you're not supposed to be able to happen, but I did. Um, and that was just great. It, it made it I – hope, I hope you guys enjoyed our coverage. We, we worked really hard. Played hard too, but we worked really hard. The the thing is that uh, on on Thursday, eight a.m. press conference, that was rough. That was a rough one for the players too. But um, at any rate, let's talk about the game. Um, I, I know you guys are ecstatic, uh, thrilled with what you saw. Especially, you know, it's kind of like f- funny because Michigan's not a rivalry by any chance, but one of their players even said, you know, it feels like Florida's a division game for us because they've played so much lately. So, it's, But it's not a rivalry, um, but it was an irritant. It was a, something that was hanging over, I think, the whole Gator Nation that they couldn't beat Michigan and that they've been embarrassed by them both in Arlington. And, and in that game, Gator fans showed up too. And were, you know, it was, that was a game where you go, I shouldn't have spent all that money. And certainly in Orlando, you know, if you want to go all the way back to 07 and uh, that game and the one that Zook coached, I mean, but the the last two were the ones that really stuck in your craw. Um, So it wasn't a rivalry, but it was important, I think, for the the fan base's uh, psyche to win this game. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. Look, you guys, I know I've gotten criticism for picking against the Gators all year. Um... Yeah, I think I, my overall record was seven and six, something like that. Not very good picking uh, Florida's games. I just couldn't get what Michigan had done to Florida out of my head from the past, and and it's probably my fault. Different team, different coach. Um, but again, let let us also remember that when I made that pick, I did not know all these players weren't going to play for Michigan. Um, Devin Bush's absence was the big one, I think. When you're captain and leader leaves, and I'll have more on that in a minute. I sound like I'm on TV. More on that in a minute, but right now, let's go over to John with sports. Um, but when, when a guy like that leaves you, it, it's a, psychologically it's tough, and certainly his play. Uh, but he had, he had a hip injury, and you understood that. Uh, I didn't feel like it was, it was coming back. Um, but when, when, all, when those players were lost, including one of them just two days before the game, you're like, well... Maybe Florida's going to 
going to have a chance. I, I, I still wondered when I talked to their – like I always tell people when you go to the, the bowl um, – breakout rooms or press conferences whatever they have set up for you and you talk to the players you walk away and you go okay i pretty much know who's gonna win um because usually you'll get one group that's locked in you can see it and that definitely was florida there was no doubt about that that was a locked in team talk to the michigan guys and they were saying the right things you know about how important the game was wanted the bad taste out of their mouths yeah the ohio state game I don't know if they believed it. And that I I did get the impression, at least, that they weren't overly happy to be back here playing this crappy Florida team that we've already took care of last year. Didn't we send them away? That whole kind of attitude. I think I, I don't, I'm not saying all the players. In fact, I have great re- respect for Chase Winovich, who played in that game with who's gonna need surgery in the offseason, and then got hurt in warm-ups and still played. He didn't play great because he was hurt, but he played, and he and he made the effort. So I, got, I have great respect for him, and I like Shea Patterson a lot. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a great receiver, um, but certainly breaks went against them in this game. Two touchdowns call back, both the correct call, though. Now, it, it's kind of funny. Well, man, we got robbed, or, man, the, all, all the breaks went against you. Well, if the play was called correctly, how can that be a bad break? It really isn't. It's a good break that the referee in the um, uh, upstairs at the, in the replay, you know, was not out getting a coke. Which sometimes I wonder if they are. Oh, sorry, I gotta take I gotta take a bathroom break. I can't. Did I miss a play? Oh, I did. Oh well. Sometimes I swear that happens, but I know it doesn't. I'm just kidding. Um, so definitely th- that happened and. Uh, um, I, I just got the feeling that that Florida might want it more, but would it be enough? That was what I wondered. Would it be enough? They really wanted to show Michigan they were a different team. Would that be enough? That's the one thing you never can really tell. And the one thing I've learned about this team and about this, but mainly about this coach and this coaching staff. And I think the players will tell you this now, too, after going through it for a year. They've told us on and off, but I think really now they're they're 100% convinced. These guys know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. It doesn't mean Florida's going to win multiple national championships. It's hard. It's really hard when you have a, uh, a monopoly on the talent the way that Alabama and Clemson do. And when you, they're picking and choosing the players they want, and to a point Ohio State. You know, I mean, it's hard to get in there and and, and to start having those cl- kind of classes where you can afford maybe not to bring your A game and still beat an SEC team, which is really hard. Um, you know, that's not easy. Uh, so, but, you, but look, I think Florida's going to see some confetti again. I just feel that way. I don't know where it's going to come, but it, I, I feel like you're going to see it. Um, and I think that's the way most people feel because I think you feel like this this staff knows what's going on. And they kept saying, got to be better at the end of the year. We're better at the end of the year. Hey, isn't that what you just said? They have uh, – and also not only that, but, but think about this. If I had – if I had given you this season and I said, hey, look, here's the bad news. You're going to lose to Kentucky for the first time in 32 years. 
You know that Missouri team that for some reason you struggle against? They're going to seal club you. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to say seal club. I forgot. People don't like it when I say that. All right, they're going to curb stomp you. That's even worse. All right, they're going to beat you <laughs> badly. Um, okay. And Georgia, nah, sorry, ain't going to happen. Okay. That's the bad news. And you would go, dang it. Dang it. Man, I, was, I thought this was going to be a special year. I go, oh, wait, 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 wait. Time out. Time out. You're going to beat LSU when they're in the top five in the country. Pack swamp. You're going to win that game. You're going to just hammer Tennessee. Blow them right off the court. Oh, you know that Mississippi State game everybody's looking forward to in Mississippi? The cowbells are going to be the loudest they've ever been. You're going to win the game. Oh, and FSU, five in a row. Yeah, they, they're they not going to come close to six in a row. Total beatdown. And then you're going to go play Michigan in a New Year's Six Bowl, and you're going to handle them. Not just beat them, handle them. There's a difference between winning a game and handling a team, and they handled them. So, would you take in that before the season? You're dang right you would have. You say, Where, where's that line? Sign me up. Let me let me go stand in that line. Um, so, you know, I, I told – I think it was Robbie. I, or it might have been my wife later on. I told him, I said, hey – you know, when you when you when when you look back on this season, this is going to be one of my favorite seasons covering the Gators. This team is going to be one of my favorite teams for a lot of reasons. It got better to cover them in terms of access and being able to talk to people. We had a head coach who answered questions with coherent thoughts. That was great. And there was so much excitement around the program, and they won a lot of these big games, and the fans were happy. They weren't 100% happy, but they were happy. Um, and on the heels of what had happened. Because here's, here's the biggest difference right now to me. Nobody after the SEC East Championships in 15 and 16, nobody was saying, man, we're on our way. They weren't saying that. They were saying like, wow, I don't know how we did that, but great. That was kind of cool. We got got to go to a bowl game. Hey, you know what? And then we're going to get on a plane and a bus and hopefully, you know. Nobody was feeling this this kind of, um, what, what's the word, a wave of optimism. Nobody, it wasn't really there. But it is now. And, the big, and I'm telling you, one of the biggest differences this is what beating Florida State means. I don't care how bad FSU is. I don't care. You beat FSU and you win your bowl game at the end of the season versus losing to FSU and losing your bowl game. How many of you would take this season over the team that won the East in 2015? Hands up? Yeah, that's what I thought. Anyway, I may not be making any sense today, but I'm trying as hard as I can. So 10-3, and going to be a Top 10 team, we all know that. Um, and and uh, just to get to 10 wins, pretty darn impressive. And But I, again, like I said, it's so different from 2015. Don't forget that team, um, Over, I think that team overachieved. There's no doubt that team overachieved with the offensive line it had. But your quarterback left halfway through the season. You kind of had to limp home. Um so it's just a different different vibe. 
And now you feel like, hey, next year, next year should be pretty darn good. There was a time when I was like wondering about next year and thinking about the guys that were going to leave and the guys that were seniors. You got to replace most of that offensive line. Uh, but you feel like guys are now understanding what they need to do. They've seen what it means. Like the, the guys who are leaving, like Chauncey after the game, are saying, look, guys, and CC told me this too, look, guys, college football playoffs here. Let's get back here next year. We're not going to be here for you, okay? But we've shown you what you need to do and that you know now by watching all this and watching these coaches and, and, and understanding if you do what they say, you can achieve great things. There's no reason why you can't get back. Now, we'll, we'll see. We're still waiting on a lot of the words of a lot of guys. Of course, Jawan Taylor right after the game. That's no, that was no surprise. I mean, many mock drafts have him as a top, uh, number one pick or not number one first round pick. Um, I personally am, don't really see it. Um, I don't as being a ready-made right tackle in the NFL. But I think they see a guy they can work with and certainly has everything physically that you need. And and good luck to him. It's always good to us. No no problem with them. Um, and there there are going to be other guys and there are going to be other players who want to who aren't going to come back or are going to go pro and that's fine. It's their their lives right. Never going to question it. You know. Um, but uh, I oh the one point I was going to make before that I kind of got off on a tangent as you know if you listen to this podcast sometimes does happen um, is that after the game when the Florida players were so emotional and even at, towards the end of the game you know I, I finally get down the sideline and I see um, what's going on with Chauncey and players are all around him and they're going MVP MVP and he's tears just flowing and then Felipe comes out of the game and I, he was sitting over there with a with the towel over his head and one of the assistants had his arm around him and they he was just bawling and I was thinking what think about the year this guy had pro and con you know fans after Missouri they were ready they were ready to, to take him and say you know if you want to transfer it's fine right Florida fans now again I know it's not all you know, not all of you booed during that game, not all of you booed during the South Carolina game. Not all of you were down on him. But he, what he went through to deal with that, and then from what happens from, say, middle of the third quarter on in that game to where he was sitting there as the offensive MVP, confetti. I mean, what a roller coaster. Tremendous. Amazing. You know, a guy like Chauncey, here's a guy who was a freshman, has the two picks, including one for a touchdown against uh, Iowa, and all you're thinking, the bowl game, all you're thinking is, man, this guy's going to be something. Sophomore year, I personally thought he was a, a, a disaster. Didn't It wasn't a great cover of, of receivers, but mostly looked like he was afraid to tackle. He had Deion Sanders' disease. And, and a lot of us questioned him openly about it. This year, he tackled people. You were going down. I'm not saying he was a big hitter, but he, you were going down if he got his hands on you. And to make the plays he made and to be the defensive leader of this team, and he really was the defensive leader. What he went through. Voshan Joseph was was bawling his eyes out. I think, and now again, I'm recording this. It's Monday afternoon. It, news may come out between now and when you listen to it. I I, I get the impression Voshan Joseph may go out just because he, um, you know, it, we were talking about this. Voshan Joseph can go out. 
He may not play a whole lot, but he'll be a special teams guy, be a heck of a one. And then you develop him. You're not going to get drafted very high, but maybe he's just ready to go. And that's fine. CeCe's crying on the field with his down on one knee. I, I mean, I almost wanted to just like put my arm around him and say, it's okay, man. I know you. this is it. You went through so much. You went from being a follower to a leader. You were a guy who didn't show up for workouts and missed classes. And now look at you. Look at where, you're, look at where you are. I get it. You know, I get it. That's what college football is all about. Guys who discover themselves as a person and what kind of person they can become. And it doesn't always happen right away. It doesn't always happen until it's almost too late. You discover what kind of leader you can become and discover what you have inside you as a football player, whether you make it in the next level or not. You're never going to forget this. You're never going to forget your brothers and how you came around too. You came around to become somebody that they could count on. That's what really matters about a game like that. Okay. Now, I want to talk about where to rank the Gators, and I will tell you, I don't see any way they can get hired seventh. And here's why. Obviously, Alabama-Clemson, winners one, losers two. Uh, I, I think if Georgia beats Texas, they're going to be three. But even if they don't, you can't drop them below Florida, right? They handle Florida pretty good. You make an argument they both have three losses. One of them beat LSU, the other one didn't. But Georgia, I think most people feel, is the third best team out there. Um, and then you've got, you know, um, obviously – Notre Dame at, at 12 and one's probably not dropping below Florida. So there's four that are eliminated right there. Um, and then the other thing is Ohio State being six, playing Washington nine, the winner probably will go ahead of Florida or be, stay ahead of Florida. Um, if UCF loses, I like Florida, I, I, we were talking last night, uh, Mitch, um, Matt Baker, actually two nights ago, and myself, who of course votes for the Tampa Bay Times, we were talking about it, and I said, you got to put Florida ahead of Michigan, right? I mean, they both have three losses, and Florida walloped them. And, and he agreed, you know. So I think Florida will probably end up eight or nine. If UCF loses, that'll, that'll, I think UCF drops below Florida. I don't think there's any question about that. So, so they'll probably end up seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there, which is great. Great season, unexpected season, totally overachieved of that. There is no question. So I salute this Florida football team. They were a lot of fun to watch, and I had a heck of a time covering this team. And uh, like I said, it was a lot more fun to cover them, not just because of the W's and L's, just because it was easier to talk to people, and it was good to have a coach that was interesting to talk to. All right, I think it's about time we take another break. We'll do that. Then we're going to come back. We'll talk about some of the other bowl games. that are going no guests today. Uh, it's New Year's Eve. I'm not bothering anybody on New Year's Eve. We'll be back next week with guests. Uh, we still have three things to get to. But when we take after we take a break, here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com, we'll come back with the worst bowl performances so far this season. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At Vistar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want. Whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. 
We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, I yes, uh, needless to say, I'm going to get into Miami in a bit, but here were my three that I've seen so far. I'm not saying that um, it's not over, obviously. Um, by far, number one was Purdue. How you can get – I mean, I look, here's the thing about Purdue. Purdue was a wonderful story. Um, with, their, with the super fan, I think he was a captain for the game, I believe, right? Uh, Tyler Trent. Um, that was a wonderful story. The night that they beat Ohio State was one, the, one of my favorite nights of college football. That was tremendous. But the truth is they weren't very good team. You know, I mean, it, it, Jeff Brom's – it's going to take him time. You know, getting a guy like Rondale Moore to come there is a step in the right direction. But they weren't very good. They just weren't. And and the, their record reflected. You take away, obviously, you take away the Ohio State game, they were 5-6. and six. But they shouldn't have been that bad. And Auburn, as we know, wasn't real good. I go back, though, to what Shea Patterson told me. I asked him, I said, look, nobody can nobody knows better than you who's better than the SEC or the, or the uh, Big Ten. What do you, so give me your thoughts. And I, I expected to get – I really expected to get a non-answer. But he was great talking about it. And what he said was the top four, no difference. I don't disagree with him on that. You know, again, the result of the Michigan-Florida game would say otherwise. But I, I, I agree with him. I think top four probably isn't a whole lot of difference. But he said the next four is totally different because – the problem he was, he started naming off what their schedule was at Ole Miss his last year, and you're like, yeah, that's ex- what we keep trying to tell people. Well, then we play A and M, then we had to play Mississippi State, then we had to play LSU, then we had to play Alabama, then we had to play Auburn, and, and he said the next four there is a huge difference, and that was a perfect example of it. But nobody expected anything like that for Auburn to beat them so badly that nobody was watching the second half of that game. That was the worst performance. Number two, I'd put Georgia Tech against Minnesota. And you know what, Paul Johnson, this is why he's – or partly why he's leaving or and partly why nobody's really sad to see him go. Because Georgia Tech, is that ceiling is not real high with, what, with the offense they run. Here's their ceiling. They can get to this number of wins, but – they're never going to get over it, and they can't come from behind against teams because they can't throw the ball. And when they get behind, it gets ugly, and it's very not much fun to watch. Uh, I mentioned Steve Hummer before. He said that he asked Paul Johnson. He goes, I, I'm sure you're not going to miss these post-game press conferences. Paul Johnson blew up, started yelling about how he never had any trouble until he got to Atlanta. and uh, People appreciated him wherever he was until he got to Atlanta. And I'm like, yeah, we'll see you. I don't mind Paul Johnson. I have a, the one time I really dealt with him, he was he was fine to me. But that was a pretty ugly performance. And then number three was Houston, uh, which <laughs> there is no excuse for that. Ten touchdowns to Army. Look, Army was a really good team this year, but that's just unbelievable. And then what do they do? They turn around. They fire Major Applewhite. Two seasons, and I literally the question I asked to the television set in front of people because tend to do that sometimes who do you think you are houston we fire a coach after two seasons he was a winning coach got you to bowl games you're not what you think you are 
I, I that was just a stunner to me. Of course, not as stunning as the story that broke yesterday and then continued to break today, and that being Mark Richt retiring uh, from uh, the University of Miami. I, I've talked to several people about it and what they thought the reasoning was behind it. And what it comes down to basically is – uh, he couldn't get a quarterback. He couldn't get one that was any good. It was, none of, neither one of them were any good this year. And he was stubborn in his offense. And the AD there uh, basically said, look, you got to do something with your offense. You've got to make some changes, starting with your son, John, who's a quarterback's coach there. Um, that probably needs to stop being happening. This is This happens in college football sometimes. And we saw it with Bobby Bowden, right? Where you hire your son and he he's not good enough to get a job somewhere else, so you keep him on and it and it comes back to bite you. You know, like Shane Beamer was good enough to move on to other places. And I think it's the best thing for you. Uh, Steve Spurrier Jr., you know, it's good. To, it's okay to give your son I, – I, and again, I'm not trying to be a jerk here – but it's fine to give your son a start and get him going in the business and then kind of push him out the door and say, you need to get away from me so people are going to respect you for more than your name. But uh, so he says, like, I don't want to – I don't. and the other thing I, I, I keep hearing and not surprising to any of you is that when Miami fans are down on you, it's personal, it's nasty, it's vicious – and it is not pleasant for anybody. And Mark Rick, being a really good guy, and I really like Mark Rick as a person, um, that that it really got to him, you know, just how mean it was. And I think in the end, you know, it was just kind of like, ah, the heck with it. So the bottom line is, you know, um, for a guy like him to just bail – after three years, well, I don't want to be part of what you're asking me to be anymore. Uh, whether he'll coach again or not, I don't think he's retired, uh, but he may be. It, it may be that he doesn't want to. You know, I, I said this when he when he when he took the job. Like a lot of people were saying, "Oh man, this is a perfect matchup. What a great hire!" And I'm like, it might be a really great hire, and it might be a disaster. Think about it. Last year they were 10 and 0, ranked second in the country. Since then, they're seven and nine. It just fell apart, and when it fell apart, it turned. Miami fans think they should play for the national championship every year. I've seen where people that are maybe a little homerish think it's one of the best jobs in college football. I don't agree, and the reason I don't agree, look, you do have an unbelievable recruiting base there. There's no doubt about it. It's maybe the best in the country, recruiting base-wise, but you got to get them. If you don't get them, it doesn't matter how good your recruiting base is. But, yeah, certainly there's – that to me is the biggest pro of being at Miami. Stadium-wise, it's a beautiful stadium. It takes an hour bus ride to get to it from your campus. You know, that that to me is not a positive. And the money's not – you know, facilities are, are not quite up to it. And the fan base is entitled. It's the most entitled fan base. Like Alabama fans are entitled, but they get results, and they keep getting the more they get results, the more entitled they get. The Miami fan base is entitled, and they really haven't had much, you know, for a long time. 
Um, so anyway, that's what happened with Mark Richten. Of course, they hire Manny Diaz, and the thinking there is, look, Manny will. Manny knows what the problems are, and um, he's a really good defensive coordinator. He knows what the problems are. He his offensive coordinator hire will define whether whether he gets that turned around or not. You know, if he doesn't get the right guy, it's going to be more of the same for them. Uh, they still don't have a quarterback. They're going to have to go the grad transfer route, and I don't know if they've got anybody interested in him. You know, if I'm sure he can go to a guy like a Kelly Bryant uh, or somebody like that and say, "Look, it's your job, man. It's your job. Come down here, play for the U, and maybe they pull in a guy like that." But it is a, uh, it's it's certainly interesting to see what happened down there. Just, just mind-boggling in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, okay, now, today, like I said, there's two SEC games as I'm, I'm doing this, and you may know the results when you see it. But right now, the SEC 0-2. I did not put South Carolina in that list of worst bowl performances because I didn't see one second of the game. But I'm guessing it was right there. You get beat 28 nothing. that's not good. Um, and I know that, that Will Muschamp is hurting right now, and – He's got to figure some things out. But the thing is that's amazing is that Will Will's teams are so weird. It's like he he never got offense here. He never grasped uh, the concept of offense. I always felt like he protected his defense here. He goes to South Carolina, and it's a, it's a struggle, and he's trying to get everything right. Finally, he feels like he gets the guy in there. They start scoring points. All of a sudden, he can't play defense. Get to a bowl game, and then – Look, as we, as you know, if you listen to me at all, my feeling on bowl games is they're exhibition games, they're TV shows, they're crapshoots, they're different animals, all that, all those cliches I can throw out there, and you have no idea what to expect, especially if it's just a bowl. There's a difference between just a bowl and a bowl game. A bowl game, the Peach Bowl was a bowl game. You know, I mean, that was a bowl game, as is uh, like the Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, even the ones that aren't playoff games, those are bowl games. I think... Citrus to a point, and you know, is, but some of these other bowl games, it's just guys don't get ready to play. They don't. They don't get fired up. But for to get shut out by Virginia, that's rough, man. That's rough. And of course, Vandy. I, I always felt this way. When you go to a bowl game against a team, so every every bowl game you that are that is played, the team that you're playing is probably about your level. You know, sometimes it, it turns out ugly. Sometimes it's it's a heck of a game. Vandy, that's the way it was for Vandy. And they played a heck of a game. It was exciting. That was probably one of the best bowl games I've seen so far. So there's no shame in losing a bowl game by three points or a touchdown or eight points or something like that. There's no shame in that. Um, but still, the SEC is 0-2 right now. So we'll see how they fair and of course there'll be people who judge them based only on the numbers and the records but i i don't worry too much about that let's take a break then we come back it is time for three things you're listening to the duly noted podcast at gatorsports.com It's time for three things. Okay, uh, you know, it, it's been we've we've overlooked basketball 
here for um, during the football season. Football just dominates, and and what one bad thing that's happened for football, I mean for basketball and all the other sports is the analytics of the web, and because when you look at the analytics, it says. If you if you write about football, you get this many people reading your your page and your your story. And if you write about basketball, it's way down here. And if you write about gymnastics, I mean, I love covering all sports, and I, we're still going to continue to do that here at the Gainesville Sun. I mean, Saturday I get really kind of full blown into the bas- back into the basketball beat as the, the main beat writer. Um, but during football, it takes precedence. But kind of a big not written a ton about basketball and it's funny because Saturday we're sitting there and I'm writing and I was really struggling with my column I don't know why uh just a little brain hemorrhage I think but uh sitting there writing and uh Robbie says Florida blew out Butler and I go what are you sure you don't have a women's score there and then we see that and I start reading about what happened 21-0 and uh I, I don't know if this was a turning point. Maybe this is the point where this team starts to turn it around and play at a really high level. Or maybe it was just a fluky game, you know, on the holidays or whatever. But uh, good for them. They needed something like that. And that's a that's a quality win. You know, you couple that with the win over uh, West Virginia, and your resume is not as bad as it was looking. It's still not – you're going to have to do something in the conference – schedule there's no question about it to get to the tournament but thumbs up Mike White great job we look forward to their game against South Carolina on Saturday meanwhile Steve Alford gets fired at UCLA early and see that that's a strange I don't know all that's going on out there but you you think about it when when they played Florida in the uh, elite or sweet 16 up in Memphis and Things seem to be they seem to be getting good players, and of course the Lonzo Ball thing has been. It's just been kind of a weird soap opera out there, um, and now he's out as coach. So that was an interesting basketball. All right, number two, it is firing season. As we mentioned before, we're really deep into it with the NFL. A lot of guys being let go. No real surprises, but it's it's really weird how the NFL is kind of like. Um, you, you really are on a two-year contract in the NFL. I'm not saying that's all you're getting paid for, but that's all the leeway you have. I mean, very few coaches get fired after one year, although Mike Malarkey did uh, at Jacksonville, uh, but new ownership came in. Most For the most part, you get two years to prove yourself, okay? And a lot of guys are out in two years. Uh, but a lot of guys, you know, Adam Gase getting fired, uh, they kind of handed away a playoff berth. I, I get that. Marvin Lewis has been treading on thin ice for feels like 10 years. I really like Marvin Lewis. but um, and, if, and, and then he highly recommended Hugh Jackson. I'm like, please don't do that if you're a Cincinnati fan. I mean, Hugh Jackson's the greatest guy in the world. But where has he won? But, you know, the retreads of coaches. Um, I think I saw this. And it's it's a little it's a little bit disturbing that six of the eight minority coaches have been fired. Um, coincidence or not, I don't know. I, I I don't know enough about. I think they're all individual um, issues. Um, so I'm not gonna you know I don't think that's a I don't think there's racial bias towards firing. I think it's great that there are that many um, African American coaches. You know, at this point. All right, and then finally number three. 
Um, I just want to give a shout out, a thank you to the Florida trainer who patched me up on uh, Saturday. And here, here's the story, and it's a quick. I'll give it quick. They had these hooks in the back row, on the row of where we we're sitting, for in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome. Under, unbelievable stadium. We're down in the end zone. But uh, it's still uh, – it's okay. They're great stadium. But I guess they got hooks for coats. I don't know why you – is it that much of an issue uh, in Atlanta? I guess it is. It's the same way they had at Missouri. And what happens at Missouri, inevitably, you hit, you nick yourself on one of those coats and you bang into it. And, you you, know, you always – every beat writer has come home from Missouri with bruises on their arm, left arm. Okay, well, I did, and it wasn't uh, – too bad i thought it hurt oh god that hurts a guy had one guy behind his seat had put his book bag rather than put it underneath the seat so i was kind of stepping over and somebody was talking to me and i looked up and missed it and drilled it okay so i don't think anything above it about it hurts i reach over after a while just to kind of rub it you know and it's there's blood everywhere well i had basically the the hooks were sharp apparently i'd sliced open a, my arm and so I try to. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I try to wash it, and finally it stop, pretty much stops. But there's blood all over my arm. It looks like I've been shot. So I go down to the uh, with five minutes to go down to the to the field, and um, um, Scott Strickland's wife sees it and says, "Hey, Scott, Pat needs help." And I go, "No, no, I'm fine. It doesn't hurt. I'm. It's it's pretty much stopped bleeding. I'm good. It just looks stupid." She goes, "No, no." Scott runs over, literally, gets a trainer who comes over, and they basically treat me. They put peroxide on my shirt to help get the stains out. They get, they put, you know, antiseptic on it, and they put the big bandage on it and everything. And what a nice, that was very nice of them to do. So I'm not going to call them the firm anymore. For That's going to be my New Year's resolution because that was very nice of them. Um, I did this whole podcast without – Without name, without talking about something that was really, I thought was going to be a really great topic. If I was doing, still doing radio, it would have been two segments. But I didn't get to it, and I'll get to it maybe next week. Uh, and that is what happened in the championship games or the playoff games, and this all, sudden, sudden, all of a sudden, Notre Dame never should have been in. Eh, you can't do that in hindsight. You're not allowed. Sorry, and and Notre Dame should have been in. They just they are what they are, and we'll talk about that. And now, from we need to get, we have to expand to eight to maybe we don't need to expand at all because the the semifinal games have been dogs. So maybe the thing is, till Alabama and Clemson get new coaches, maybe we don't. Maybe we'll talk more about that. But it's time to go. I got to get out of here. I got work to do. I got to write. Uh, still, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I met in Atlanta. Thank you so much. It was great to see you all. And uh, it was a lot of fun just to meet so many nice people up there. Uh, we'll be back next week with a uh, probably a more of a hoops-dominated, hoops, there it is, dominated uh, show. But we will talk about the, um, of course, national championship game, which is played the night before. So we'll have plenty of that to talk about. And by then, we'll know a lot more about Gator players going or coming. So there'll be plenty to talk about next week. Be sure and join us here on at Gatorsports.com. For the Duly Noted Podcast, I'm Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back in the high. I'm out of here. <laughs>